It's a, a real privilege of mine to introduce our final keynote speaker of the day. Um, this guy has been such a massive part of my life for the last two years. Uh, I met Steve, I was about six months into being a pastor, didn't really have a clue what I was doing. And actually, just, I want to thank Steve. See, Steve, um, Steve has achieved phenomenal things in ministry. He doesn't ever blow his own trumpet. He's achieved phenomenal things. And uh, he has two days a week where different churches basically employ him to coach their pastors. So um, churches pay him for his advice because it's that good. And pastors need trained and pastors need encouraged and stuff. But actually... Steve mentored me for a whole year without any of that because he just wanted to bless our church. And uh, I'm really thankful for that because I know you've said you've not done that for MDL, so cheers. I appreciate that. But really, he's been a, he's been a phenomenal mentor, not only in terms of like the stuff I've learned off you and the way he's poured into my life and the way Rachel's poured into Ella's life, but for the way he holds me accountable as well. Like, he does ask you tough questions. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't step out of line because he's got my back, and I appreciate that. So, um, honestly, a massive part of the reason why I believe we've come as far as we have so far is because of the input of Steve and Rachel. So, they might be at Soul Church, but they're part of our church. They're family with us, and uh, they've been phenomenal. And uh, I believe there's many, many more years of mentoring ahead, and many, many more years of having them blessed coming up. And uh, I know they've been encouraged to come up and see how far we've come in the last year. And uh, I believe next year when they come, we'll have gone even further. Um, and, uh, but I'm so happy to have him here tonight. He's, he's a great mentor, he's a great friend, but he's a phenomenal preacher as well. Uh, so the, the wisdom and stuff that I've enjoyed learning from over the past couple of years, you guys are going to benefit from that tonight. And I really believe God's going to do something special. So please, church, if you would, uh, give a proper home church welcome to my mentor and friend, Steve Austin. I'm really tall, so I've got this one because it's a little bit higher. But um, I was wondering who Dave was going to introduce there because it sounded like someone pretty incredible. Then I realized he was talking about me. So it was pretty, that's pretty humbling, Dave. And I love this man, love Ella, genuinely love them. And he's right, I never did that for anybody else. But the first day I met him, it was the back of my home church in uh, County Durham. And within a few seconds of talking to Dave, I realized there was something pretty special about him. There's actually something on his life. It's a leadership gift. And literally within a few seconds, I felt in my heart prompted to, to reach out and to want to help him. And so it's been a huge privilege for me to be part of the journey. And uh, don't worry about this. It'll all become clear in just a moment. But give these handsome fellas, look at them. Absolute stallions. Thank you, gentlemen. Were you wolf whistling there? That's, wasn't you. Well, well, somebody else was wolf whistling at your husband, so you just need to know that. Still got it, Tiger. That's good to know, isn't it? 
I'll just move that so the guys over there can see me. But it honestly is a, it's a huge joy for Rachel and I to be here. I've been here, I think, now three times. And every time we come, we see just incredible health and growth. It's like a different church to what we first came to. And that's because, firstly, God builds the house. So why don't we give him a round of applause? He's the one that does it. It's his church. He promised he'll build his church. But also, God needs human vessels. And Dave and Ella are two of the most passionate leaders that I know. They're passionate about God. I mean, just watch Dave in worship. It's pretty special. It's not about him. It's about God. And they're a very unique gift. They complement each other beautifully, don't they? You know, Dave's strong as an ox. He's a risk taker. And Ella's soft and like the Holy Spirit and just gently directs him. (laughs) And he needs it. But we coach a number of pastors around the country and what, what we look for is this quality. We, we don't just look for great leaders. And David, David and Ella are great leaders. We look for great pastoral leaders. Pastors that love people. And I love the way Dave loves people. He'd almost kill himself loving people, no matter how broken. And so I think these guys are the real deal pastors. So come on, church. Why don't you show some appreciation for the gifts that they are to you guys. Question, do you tend to see through the eyes of expectation or limitation? Do you tend to look at situations through the lens of what you cannot do or the lens of what God can do? Because so often the level of your expectation determines the level of impartation. So I love that you guys are so expectant. Who's expecting God to turn up tonight in your life, in your family, in your situation? Ephesians 3.20, we're going to read God's Word and I'd love you to stand as we honour God's Word. So would you do that? Why don't we stand together and I'm going to read to you Ephesians 3.20. This was a verse that I quoted for decades and until this year I'd never preached on it. So tonight we're going to unpack this verse together. It says, now to Him. Who's tonight about? It's about Him. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Title of my message tonight is God is able. Said God is able. So come on, let's pray. Jesus, may we fix our eyes upon you tonight. These are your people. It's your church. This is your word. And we ask that you would breathe by your Holy Spirit upon it and make it alive. Show us the things that you want us to see. 
for our lives, our families, our situations. May we see afresh that God is able, your strength and power and ability. We ask these things in Jesus' Name and everyone who had a bit of faith said a big loud, Amen. You can take your seats. Now to Him who is able. This message is about God. It's not about me. It's not about Dave. We want you to see God. Now God is able. That word able in Greek is the word dunamai, from which we get words like dynamic, dynamo and dynamite. God is all of those things. It means in English to be capable, to be strong and to be powerful. How many know that God is able, He's capable, He is strong, He is powerful? But I wonder, do we really know how able, how strong, how capable God really is. The message paraphrase of this verse starts with this, God can do anything, you know. Did you know that? Turn to your neighbour and say, God can do anything, you know. And two months ago, I received an an email from Mark Taylor. Mark is in our church, Soul Church, but he's also, he's an ex-minister, Baptist minister, and he is the chaplain in the hospital. Now, anyone that has worked in a hospital over the last three years, you are our heroes. So come on, why don't we give it up for every nurse, every doctor, every administrator. Thank you for all that you've done. Heroes. Mark is a chaplain and the chaplains are the ones that are called there when life is at its most painful. They are there at the bedside when parents lose their babies. Mark gets a call from the neonatal intensive care unit because a full-term baby is born and tested as brain dead. You talk about a tragedy. When your baby is born full term and he's brain dead the doctors tell you it's over never going to live and so the august the organ harvesting team are on the way and they're going to take the organs from the baby and then that's it mark receives the call to come and meet the family and pray for them can you imagine how devastating that conversation is And the the parents say, would you just baptise our baby? What a beautiful thing. And so Mark felt to get some water and they gave gave him a vial of the sterilised water that they have in hospital and he poured it over this beautiful baby's body and blessed the baby. Later that afternoon he gets another call from the neonatal intensive care unit. And a doctor says, what did you do to that baby? And he says, well, I blessed the baby. And the doctor said, we can't believe this, but the brain is working 
perfectly normally. Perfect. One day later, the baby was discharged 100% healthy. Why? Because God can do anything you know. God can do exceedingly and abundantly and above. All that even doctors can think. Why? Because God is able. So how are your expectation levels? It's so easy to allow life's tough seasons to temper our expectation. Maybe you're here and you say, Steve, I was once filled with expectation. I once trusted God, but something happened in my life and my family and expectation was squeezed out like toothpaste in a tube. Right now you feel empty. Somebody did something, somebody said something, things didn't turn out as you'd hoped. And so when you hear a miracle story like that, you're kind of pleased for that family, but there's another voice that says, well, God didn't do that for me. What you've effectively done is you've created a box and this is your I call it the too hard box. These are the things that you don't actually any longer believe that God can do. Maybe it's a family situation. Maybe it's a health diagnosis. Maybe some of you have put yourself inside of that box and you say, God can't use me and He, and he can't do this and He can't do that. And all you see is all the things that God can't do. I wonder... What's in your box? What are the things in your life that God can't do? How are your expectation levels? Alexander Pope said this, Blessed is he who expects nothing, for he shall never be disappointed. You ever been there? Just stop believing. Stop trusting. Because you don't want to be disappointed. Dr. Martin Seligman is the founder of positive psychology. He studied people who went through trauma and setbacks in life. And he watched how in India people trained elephants. And here's what they did when baby elephants were really small, they would take metal stakes and drive the stake deep into the ground. And they'd take an iron chain and they would wrap it around the elephant's ankle and the elephant could walk so far, but then the chain would yank on its ankle and because the stake was driven so firmly into the ground, a baby elephant couldn't pull it out. And it would try for weeks and weeks, going in different directions, but the stake had been driven so far in that there's nothing that the elephant could do. But that elephant grew up. And Seligman noticed how when these ele elephants were big and huge and almost the size of this platform, they would be sold to a circus. And what the circus master would do is they'd take a tiny wooden stake, flimsy, thin. They'd drive it a few inches into the ground and fasten an iron chain around it, 
and again fasten it to this huge elephant's leg. By now the elephant is massive. But as soon as it feels that chain pull tight, it just stops. And you look at it and you think, well, it would be so easy for that elephant just to give it one of them and that little stake would go flying out of the ground, but it never does because it's learned helplessness. I wonder how many of you have got a stake. It's holding you back. God has given you the ability and the power to break free, but you have learned helplessness. Seligman, he also studied rats. Anybody love rats? Not like, anybody don't like rats? Look at the person next to you and tell them whether you like or dislike rats. Where's Colin? Do you like rats, Colin? (laughs) So let me tell you about the rats. Here's what Seligman observed with rats. They did experiments with the rats. And what they did was they would put the rats, drop them into a bucket of water. Now, no rats were harmed in this experiment. But what they'd do, they'd drop the rats into a bucket and see how long they'd swim for. And the rats would swim for approximately 9.5 minutes. And after about nine and a half minutes, they would give up, think we're going to die, they'd just give in. So here's what they did. They picked the rats out and fed them. And then they put them back into the bucket and saw how long they'd swim for. And this time, instead of swimming for 9.5 minutes, they would swim for up to 17 minutes. And then they'd reach down, pick up the rats and feed them and then put them back in. And the third time, it was 30 minutes. And they repeated this experiment. Do you know how long the rats learned to last? 37 hours. Because if you can learn helplessness, you can learn hopefulness. You might be in this room and you feel like you're a drowned rat. You're wondering, how am I going to make it? You feel like the whole world is against you. But I've got some good news. The rats are here to preach to you that there's a God that can reach down and lift you up and feed you. And all you've got to do is keep on swimming, keep on believing, keep on trusting that God loves you and He cares for you and He's able to reach in. How's your expectation levels? I love Psalm 145. It says, the eyes of all look to you in hopeful expectation and you give them food in due time. If you walked in tonight and you felt like giving up, drowning in all the stuff that you're going through in life, good news is God sees you and He wants the best for you. God is able. Can I give you a bit of advice? Have a low expectation of people, but a big expectation of God. Because people in life will let you down all of the time. God will never let you down because He is able. So let's come back to this scripture. 
Let's come back to our box, whatever you've put in there. Let's unpack it. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all that we can ask or think. God is able. He's strong. He's capable. He's powerful. So how strong and capable and powerful is he? Now for me, there are some words in the Bible that you read. But there's some words in the Bible you've got to see. So I want you to see this scripture in a fresh way because a year ago I saw it. I saw it. And I want you to be able to see it tonight, just how amazing God is. So I want you to look at this verse afresh. I want you to look at it backwards. Now to him is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. We're going to start with this word think. What are the things that you think are in the too hard box? Now when it comes to thinking, we all think in different ways, don't we? So if I was to ask you whether you could write down a list for me of all the things that you're good at, you're capable at, you're strong at, and I give you one minute to write down five things that you're amazing at, how many of you could do that? Not many. Some of you could. I love that. What's your name, Tiger? Richard. I like you, Richard. Give me one. Hey, come on, give it up for Richard, all right? I like that. You are. Now, we need Richards in our world. They cheer us up. What shirt is that? You're really smart, aren't you? (laughs) So I really like Richard. He's a brilliant lad, all right? And, uh, but the truth is, not many of us are like Richard. But if I was to say to you, how many of you in one minute could give me a list of all the things you're not good at and not talented at, almost every one of you would be able to write that list within a few seconds. Is that right? Because some of you are really good at looking at all the negatives. And very few of us are good and confident at looking at our positives. Because we all think differently so lots of you have put yourself in this box that I'm no good I'll never amount to anything I'll never make a difference because you've listened to the enemy's voice telling you that for years so you've put yourself in that box but I've got some good news for you it says that God can do more Got to get the right box here. God can do way more than you think. He can do more than you think. Whether you can think about doing big things for God or you can only think of doing little things for God, the Bible says God can do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can ask or think. How many know that your thoughts are not like God's thoughts? that God's thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So whether you think you can do a little or you think you can do a lot like Richard, the good news is God can do even more than you can think. 
So stop putting God into the box. Stop allowing your thinking to be the measure and the limitation of what God can do in your life. Because the Bible says that God can do way more than you can think. So our thoughts are not the lid on what God can do. Do you agree with me? But it's even better than that. Because it says that God can do more than you can ask or think. He can do more than you ask. I wonder whether you ask God for big things or small things. Whatever you do, the Bible makes it very clear He can do more than you ask or think. Now a year ago I came and I told you a story and most of you have forgotten this story. That's okay because a lot of you girls, you're married to men and you send them to the shops. They go to Tesco's and they only need three things to bring back and most of them only bring two and they get back and they say, oh, I forgot one. They can't even remember what they were meant to bring back from Tesco's 10 minutes earlier. So the chances of them remembering what I said a year ago are fairly small. Can I hear an amen, girls? So I, told, <laughs> so I told this story a year ago. It happened in 1997 when Rachel and I, we went to a pastor's conference and you may have heard of Pastor Tommy Barnett in Phoenix, Arizona. And we were, you know, just a fairly new, newly married young couple and the churches we'd been a part of were around two, three hundred. None of them had gone to four hundred. And we, we got a chance to go to this conference in Phoenix, Arizona. And we rocked up. We didn't know what to expect. But when we went into the church, it was jammed to the rafters with pastors. Can you remember how many there were? There were 10,000 pastors. And we were like, whoa. And the opening service of the conference was called a parade of ministries. And in that parade, Pastor Tommy's church, they had 234 different ministries. They had a ministry to everything. They had a ministry to prostitutes, a ministry to skaters. And the, the team leader and all the team members would walk down the aisle and onto the platform and they'd all be in the same t-shirt and they'd have a banner advertising what their ministry was. And Rachel and I stood up in the top of this conference and we were just blown away that a single church would do this. One of the ministries that they had was called Sunbeams and it was a ministry to people with additional needs and Down syndrome. And we saw this team of about 50 people get up and one of them had Down syndrome and this, this young girl got up and said, I love Jesus and I love Pastor Tommy and she gave him a big hug and every pastor in the room started to cry because we were seeing before our own eyes what the church could be. A church that would reach every sector of society, no matter what their backgrounds, they were loved and reached and cared for and built into the church. We were so amazed. And the next day there was a, an evangelism seminar and we couldn't wait to see this because Pastor Tommy said, I wanna train you how to build a church that changes your city. And so Rach and I, we literally sat on the front row. Me, Rach, and the mother-in-law. Who loves the mother-in-law? 
They're awesome. And Joyce was there with us and she's the sweetest thing on earth. And we all got our notebooks out and we were ready to, to learn from Tommy Barnett about how to build a soul winning church. I couldn't wait, Margot. And he came in and he welcomed everyone and said, here's what we're gonna do. He said, outside there are 50 buses and you're all gonna get on a bus. And he gave us an invite. On the front was Spanish, on the back was English and he was advertising the service that night. And he said, we're sending you into downtown Phoenix. We're gonna give you a street. And your job for the next two hours is to knock on doors and to invite people to church tonight, get them on the bus. And we're believing for a thousand people to come to Christ. I'm thinking I wasn't expecting that, Margot. I thought just a nice 10 points would have been good. Now I can hardly speak English. I can certainly not speak Spanish. So literally we walked out onto the bus drove into downtown Phoenix, like one of the tough areas. I mean, they were big, they were hairy, they were muscly, and that was just the women. And that, no, sorry, it's an oldie, but it's just... And none of them spoke English. And Rachel, I mean, fortunately, Rachel looked Spanish. So everyone's looking at her, as you can imagine. We're knocking on the doors and we're saying, church, tonight, bus, 6.30. And I'm thinking, nobody's going to come. Four or five of us went in that bus that would seat 56 people. I'm thinking it's going to be like maybe one or two. And we went back onto that bus. There was not a seat to be found. Why? Because for the last 10 years, they had loved on and fed and helped the people in the ghettos of Phoenix. And so we went back on this bus. Now remember the night before, the place is packed. So I'm thinking, where are they going to put all these people? 50 buses. And so it was amazing. You talk about having to clear away chairs, Dave. Like they were packing these people in like sardines. They ran out of space. So they had big choir stalls because they have them in big churches, don't they, in America. And all the choir were in their robes. And all of a sudden, someone says, out. <laughs> so sister act all clear out. And then you see all of these street people. Some of them on drugs, some of them on high, some of them, you know, prostitutes dressed not for church and you see that choir stalls get filled with these people I'm thinking this is going to be fun Pastor Tommy preaches a message and at the end he says if you want to know Jesus come down these aisles and stand at the front and it was like being in a Billy Graham crusade they came out of the choir stalls they came from every area they came to the front the next day we found out 1,008 people came to Christ that night. It changed us forever. The last night of the conference, as we headed out, Pastor Tommy gave each of us a seed. We finished the conference by walking up the mountain behind the church. They called it Prayer Mountain. We stood on that mountain and we looked towards Norwich, England. We said, God, if you can do it in Phoenix, Arizona, would you do it in Norwich? We planted a seed. It was Trevor and Joyce, Rachel's mom and dad, me and Rach, and a young 17-year-old called John Norman. We put seeds in the ground. Fast forward 25 years. In December of this year, Dave, 
In December, we put on an event called The Wonder. We do it once a year. We don't have a conference at our church. We do something at Christmas called The Wonder. We take Disney and we create a performance, like a pantomime for our city. And our heart is to bring every family. They can't afford to go to the shows at the Royal Theatre Box. It costs over 100 quid to send a family. So we said, this is going to be our gift to the city. And our church, we can get 650 people in. And we've done this for about five years now and we pack it out. We've got talent and lights and you know how many shows we have to put on to get everyone in? This year we did 17. We had something like 10,000 people walk through our church and hear the gospel message. We gave them all an opportunity to respond and to receive a Bible. You know how many did? 1,000. But of all of those 17 shows, can I tell you the one that moved us most? We've got a partnership with a school. It's a school called the Clare School. It's for differently and specially abled children, the most damaged children in the whole of our city. And for three years, we found out they hadn't been able to go to a pantomime because they're so differently abled that they simply can't sit in an auditorium. And they said to us, could we come to the wonder and it's too challenging to just fit them in because they can't sit like you can in a pew. They have to be wheeled in in trolleys. They have to lie on multiple beanbags and, and you know, they have little control over their limbs. So we said, we're going to do one performance just for the Clare School and their family. And we invited every sick every single child in, every single parent. And there was something like 300 of these kids in our auditorium. We've got a picture of them for dignity. I didn't want to show the whole lot, but that's what they would do. They would sit on beanbags and some of them were crying, some of the parents, because they were never able to do this. And I thought, I thought to myself, 25 years ago, God, I prayed. And I said, will you do it in Norwich? seemed impossible. 10,000 people in one place, 1,000 decisions, reaching the most damaged in our city. And in January, when I reflected on what we'd done in Christmas, I thought it's unbelievable. That pray, that prayer that I prayed, God's done it. Why? Because He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above anything that you can think or ask. Some of you have asked God for big things. Dave, you've asked God for big things for this church. They don't know the half yet. But God does. And the message translation of Ephesians 3.20 says this, Dave and Ella, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess, or request in your wildest dreams. God's put some pretty wild dreams in your heart. Some of them are too scary to unleash on the church quite yet, so you haven't, but they're there. And there's days when you wonder, can do it, 
Can God do this? God can do anything you know. More than your wildest dreams. For your church in Phoenix, not in Phoenix, it's in Oklahoma. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) But God, some of those things that are in your heart, God can do. Some of you in your families, you would love, there's a dream in there. It seems pretty wild. God can do more than you can think. He can do more than you ask. Because he's God, he's strong. He's capable. He's powerful. It's not about your ability. It's about his. Now this is where this message gets really good. Because I've only done the first two words. But there's three more. And there's a reason that there's three more words. And that's because the Apostle Paul, and you guys love the Apostle Paul, you love the epistles you were telling me at lunch. He, he, he was fond of language. And he would invent words. I know this, I did my master's thesis, I told you last year on one Greek word, spent a year on it. So I know this stuff. But this year, since I last met with you, I found another word that I just didn't know existed. And it's here in Ephesians 3.20. And it's this, where it says God can do anything you know, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly and above. The reason it says exceedingly and abundantly and above, the reason there is three words is because God, is because Paul uses a, a word. And it's this word that you'll see up here. It's hyper Ek perisu. Now we all love a bit of Greek, don't we? Now this word is a very, very unusual word because it's not one word, it's three words that are strung together. It's what some theologians call a double compound. A word that is a compound word is two words strung together. But when you have a double compound word, you string Three words together. Theologian F.F. Bruce called it a super superlative. Sometimes we use superlatives, but this is not just a superlative. This is a super superlative. Hyper ek perisu. Not hyper perisu, not ek perisu, but hyper ek perisu. And Paul is incredibly intentional. What is he trying to say? What is he trying to communicate to you and me today? Well, let's take this first word, the word hyper. You know what the word hyper means? Some of you have got kids who are hyperactive. Some of you have got husbands who are hypochondriacs. No, don't, I didn't mean that. <laughs> hyper. Hyper. We got some beautiful birthday cake, didn't we? If you want to buy birthday cake in Norwich, you can go to three places. You can go to the market. You can go to a supermarket, like Tesco's. Or you can go to a hyper market like Costco hyper is an intensifier and so when when Paul uses hyper ek perisu the word hyper is translated into English as exceedingly getting my boxes stuck but hopefully they're not going to fall off not only can God do more than you think or more than you can ask he can do exceedingly do you love the word exceedingly it reminds me of Mr. Kipling. 
exceedingly good. I love a good cake, but who loves an exceedingly good cake? It's like your Scottish sausages. They're not just sausages, they are exceedingly good. So what a great word, hyper. But then there's the word ek. And that word means abundantly. God can't only do more than you think or more than you ask or exceedingly above what you can ask or think. He can do exceedingly and abundantly more than you can ask or think. Are you starting to get the picture of how amazing, how strong, how capable, how powerful your God is? But it doesn't just end there. It's hyper ek perisu. The word perisu means above. Even I'm struggling. Push it for. Are you trying to beat? Push. Look, it's going to be all right if it falls over. My wife's word. Do you want to be the stage director and come up here? Come on, give her a round of applause. There we go. Yeah, it nearly fell with your adjustments, but thank you very much for helping me out. But how many love the fact that whatever you think, whatever's in your box, not only can God do it more than you think, more than you ask, He can do exceedingly above it. He can do exceedingly and abundantly more than you can ask or think. Even better than that, He can do exceedingly and abundantly and above. And if we had any more boxes, it would be up there what God can do. So don't limit Him down to what you think is in your box. That's how powerful He is. That's how strong He is. That's what God can do. It's not limiting down. Oh, God can't fix my family. He can do all of that. He can at a breath create galaxies. God is able. God is able. God is able to take young people and do incredible things. God can take a church in Kirk and Tillich and He can do amazing things in a city like Glasgow, in a nation like Scotland. He can touch the nations of the world through a house like this. Because God is able. As I draw this to a finish, there's one more thing which is amazing about this verse. Because if we put up the full verse, it says, now to him who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all we can ask or think, but listen to the last bit. According to the power that works, where? In us. It's according to the power, all of that. In us. See, this is what's amazing about this verse is when it talks about God's power working, already in Ephesians, God has introduced this concept. If you go back to Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, it says this. It says, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. So the first reference in Ephesians to the working of God's mighty power is when God raised Jesus from the dead. How many know that's pretty powerful? That's pretty impressive. For the first time in human history, 
God raised somebody from the dead that will live forever. That's where God's power first worked. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's mind-blowing. That's Ephesians 1. But Ephesians 3 says different. It says, according to the power that works, not in Christ, but in us. In you guys in this section. In you guys in this section. Where does God's power work? In you guys. Where does God's power work? From the back row to the front row in us. God has put His treasure in earthen vessels. God has put His treasure in little tinkers and rapscallions and teenagers and imperfect people. He put it in you. All of His power inside of I mean, you're pretty powerful, John. The way you lifted up that table, we can see it's in you, but it's in every one of us. It's in you for your marriage. It's in you for your family. It's in you for your business as a consultant. It's in you to make a difference in this earth and in this city. All of that in you. Not about how amazing you are. Because you're weak. You're imperfect. But thank God He has put His strength, His dunamis in you. So as the team come up, I don't know whether you can get rid of these guys. Come on, give them a round of applause. Here they come again. I'm going to finish with this one story, then we're going to worship again. Thanks, guys. Yep, the Dave Brackenridge <laughs> execution system. I like it, Matt. Somebody will get it later. Is that how you're going to move your house this week? Just <laughs> Could have took them boxes home, mate. Might have been helpful. When I finished Bible college, many years ago, my first job was working for the YMCA as a pastoral care worker. So my job was to be a, a pastor, not in a church, a pastor in the toughest high school in our city with the kids that are most damaged and most broken through abuse and trauma and truancy and bullying and all that kind of stuff. And I started to work with a young girl. And this young girl was pretty broken. Everything was going well in her life as a teenager and until she was swimming in a swimming gala. She was very competitive. She won. She beat her friend as she stepped out of the pool, a friend called her a fat cow and a little seed went into her mind that she was fat. She developed anorexia. She went from nine stone to just under five stone. She was hospitalized. We thought we were going to lose her to anorexia. And her family were believers. They loved her. They prayed. They tried everything, therapy, counseling, and she just couldn't see it. And if you've ever worked with someone with anorexia, it's a tough disease. And at that time, I was working, and in our church on Sunday, we had a guy come and preach. You would know this name. You'd know his dad, but the guy that came and preached was a guy called Donnie Swaggart. You young people won't know. 
the son of Jimmy Swaggart. He came and preached in our church and he preached a message on being filled with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit. It was a powerful service. That was Sunday. On Monday, I went into my office and my first period was always when I planned my week, who I was gonna see, make appointments. And I thought, God, okay, on Sunday you said I've gotta be led by the Spirit, so right now, I ask you, would you show me what to do this week? Because how many know this conference isn't just for Sunday? It's for Monday. It's for your world. And he said to me, in that moment, call her. And so I picked up the phone and I said, hey, it's Steve here. I've been working with her for a year. I said, how are you? She said, how did you know to call me now? I said, what do you mean? And she went on to explain that she'd made a decision to end her life. She was stooped down next to the toilet. She'd taken all of her mum's paracetamols and all the drugs she could find. And she just said her goodbyes in her heart. And she was literally just about to take those pills. And I called. And I said to her, don't do it. God loves you. She never did it. 30 years later, that same girl came back from Australia and I called her just a couple of months ago. I said, hey, what do you do? She said, I'm a senior consultant. I said, oh, who do you work with? She said, I work with girls with eating disorders. She could have died, but today she's helping others. She's helping others. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can ask or think, Joe, but it's according to the degree to which we allow his power to work in us. It's not about your ability. It's about your ability to allow His power, His strength to flow through you. Our world is broken. Our world is hurting. You don't have to go very far to meet somebody who needs Jesus, somebody who needs His power. The only person that is going to connect Him or her with the power of God is you because it comes through you. Him who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can ask or think according to His power that works in you. Come on, why don't we stand for a moment? This is a holy moment. Earlier team, you sang this song. I've never heard it, that song in my life. It was this song. The King is in the room. Church, the King is here. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is in this room. He sees the next few moments. He sees your heart. He sees the decisions you're about to make. And for some of you, this next few moments could change the trajectory of your life. I made a decision as a 15-year-old, God, I don't exist for me anymore. I exist for you. 
I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. It changed my life forever. And some of you need to make a decision. You need to stop seeing yourself through the eyes of limitation. And you need to see that God sees you as a person in whom His power has been invested. And He wants you to be a transporter of His power into Kirk and Tillich, into Glasgow, into Oklahoma, into wherever you're from to reach the broken and to see His power save them and heal them and change them. Whether they're addicts, whether they're prostitutes, whether they're just an ordinary businessman, they need His power. You're in this place. And right now, God is tapping you on the shoulder. The King is in the room. He's saying, will you be one of those? Will you take my power and my strength in your ordinary earthen vessel? And will you stop worrying about what people think of you? And will you start pointing people to me? If you're here and you say, God, more than anything else, I want to give myself to you afresh tonight. Say, God, would you release your power through me to reach lost and broken people? If that's you, just lift up your hand. Come on, if you're serious about this, if you say, God, I want you to use me. I want, don't just want to warm a pew in home church. I want to be a part of the answer to my city. God, would you fill me with your power? Beautiful people all over this room. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to step out and come and fill this side of this altar. Come on, you come. You come step out. Come right down to this altar. We're going to pray for you in a minute. If you're serious about this, come all the way across. Come and pack it in. There's lots of you. That's right. Just come and stand over here. That's it. Come on, right across. We're going to be praying. We're going to be worshiping in a moment. But this is a holy moment. King is in this room. Lives are being set apart. This isn't just about you. Every one of you is like a Russian doll and on the inside of you are others that are going to change because of this decision. I'm going to get Rachel to come and pray in just a moment. Wow, I was hoping for space over there for another group, but let's just take this group. Come on up, Rachel. Come on, lift up your hands. Your hands are becoming like antenna, reaching up for the power of God. I'm going to get Rachel to pray for an impartation from heaven. Then team, are you able to sing that song? The King is in the room. Can you do that one? And then I want us to worship. Then I'm going to come back and pray for another group of people. You go for it, Rachel. I believe this is a significant calling moment that you're going to remember for a long time to come. Right now, I pray Isaiah 6, where God spoke from heaven, who will go? Who will go? And Isaiah didn't feel good enough. Isaiah didn't feel worthy. And the angel took the coal from the fire and put it on his lips. And he said out loud, here I am, send me. I want you to say out loud, here I am, 
send me. Say it louder. Here I am, send me. And again, here I am, send me. Send me to that family member. Send me to that person that is, I've asked again and again and again and again to come to church. Send me into that situation that's dark. Send me into that place that needs Your perspective, that needs life in the room. Send me to that person that is lonely. Send me to that person that is heartbroken. Send me to that person that everything seems smiley on the outside, but on the inside they're broken. Send me, oh God, to be Your mouthpiece, to speak Your Word, whether it's on or off a platform. Send me, oh God, to be the man, the woman that You've called me to be at this time in history, in my generation. I will not despise my youth. I will not despise that I am older. I will not set myself or disqualify myself or set myself aside because I'm not talented enough, because I'm not educated enough, because I feel I'm not able, because I don't have finance, because other people can do a better job. I will not disqualify myself. I say, here I am, send me. I thank You, God, that You are able to do more than I can ask or think. And right now I've asked You to send me. I thank You, God, You're gonna do more. You're gonna bring others alongside. You're gonna bring others alongside to help You, to help strengthen You in this call. And You're gonna come alongside others. And together You're gonna be a force to be reckoned with. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put 10,000. I thank You, God, that there's a nation to reach. There's a city to reach. There are people's lives that are gonna be changed and it's according to the power, the power that works in You. So release that power in me right now, Holy Spirit. Say out loud, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, release Your power in me. Release Your power in me. Now start to pray in a heavenly language. If you're not filled with the Spirit, just ask Him to fill you right now. It's as simple as breathing in and breathing out. Ask Him to fill you as a gift, a gift that's ready to be poured out in you from the rivers of living water, the Bible says will flow. From your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Right now, receive your Holy Spirit, your enabling, your power, your authority, your ability, your enabling to speak, your enabling for wisdom, your enabling for seeing miracles. Just as we saw that baby come to life, oh God, there'll be miracles. We will be confident to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover because of the power that works in us. Oh God, that we'll be able to bypass the enemy with this heavenly language. Oh God, it will cause strength to well up deep within us. Thank You, Lord. Thank You. Come on, You pray. You pray. You pray out loud as we sing.